Our scripture this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 4 to 13. Here, Jeremiah is speaking the words of God to the people of his place and time. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land where no one passes through, where no one lives? I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to Keter and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. This is the word of the Lord. Lord God, we come here before you this morning thirsty for your words, your words of comfort and strength and guidance and truth. Help us to hear them, Lord. Help us to bring your words and all that you are into our lives. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Have you ever had to tell someone something they didn't want to hear? You knew the words you spoke were true, but you also knew they would probably be unwelcome. Were your words well received? Afterwards, did you wish that someone else had done the talking? Speaking words that were hard to hear was Jeremiah's job. As many of you heard in Steve's excellent sermon last week, 
Jeremiah was formed and called by God specifically for this ministry of prophecy. He was called by God to speak God's truth. Jeremiah lived in uncertain times, hundreds of years before Christ. His nation of Judah was small. It was all that remained of what had been the glorious nation of Israel in the days of King David and King Solomon. And yet it contained the city of Jerusalem and the temple that was the center of his people's faith. The countries around Judah were powerful and hungry for territory. How long could Judah hold out against the stronger nations around it? Was their best protection to form alliances with other countries nearby? Or were the people of Judah better off if they stood alone, trusting God to protect them? For more than 40 years, Jeremiah spoke God's words to his people and to the several kings who reigned during those times. Sometimes it seemed as though his words were heard and heeded. At other times, most of the time, the rulers and citizens of his country did not want to hear what he had to say. They thought they knew better than God what needed to be done. They preferred to listen to other prophets, prophets who told them what they wanted to hear. Jeremiah persisted in speaking God's words, but he asked God more than once why the wicked prospered, but he himself was treated so badly. God said to him, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. Jeremiah was shunned. He was persecuted. He was imprisoned. Powerful people wanted to kill him. He was worn out and discouraged, and he complained to God. But God told him to keep on going. Jeremiah's people worshiped other gods in addition to the God of Israel. They gave lip service to worship at the temple, but in their everyday lives, they treated each other badly. The powerful took advantage of the helpless. The rich disregarded the poor. And it wasn't just the leaders who turned away from God. It was ordinary citizens as well. Jeremiah called on everyone to repent, to turn back to the God who had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. Circumcise your hearts, he told them. Jeremiah acted God's words as well as speaking them. He remained unmarried and childless as a sign of the death and destruction that would come to his nation and its families because of their unfaithfulness. He took an earthenware jug and he broke it. And he said this was how God would break the people and the city of Jerusalem. 
Ultimately, Jeremiah failed in his mission to call his people back to God. And because of this, his nation failed. God refused to protect the people who had abandoned him. First, Judah was overcome by the stronger forces of the Babylonians. Then, even the well-fortified city of Jerusalem, home of God's holy temple, was conquered and destroyed. Many, many people died. Many were taken into exile in Babylon. Prophets are judged by the truth of their prophecies. Unfortunately for the people listening, truth might be apparent only in hindsight. Jeremiah spoke the truth. His people learned this from their own experience of suffering. But after destruction came, God gave Jeremiah a new message. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. After destruction came repentance. After repentance came restoration. The process took many years, but eventually the descendants of Jeremiah's people were allowed to return and rebuild. All of this happened a long, long time ago. What do the words of Jeremiah have to say to us today? They call us back to the importance of faithfulness, of putting God first in our lives. They remind us that staying in relationship with God makes a difference in our lives. I've just finished a book called Flunking Sainthood by Jana Reese. She's a working mom, a writer, and an editor who lives in Cincinnati. She wasn't raised in a faith, but she discovered Christianity through childhood friends, and she's been a practicing Christian uh, since she was a teenager. However, she was feeling a little disengaged, and she wondered if practicing spiritual disciplines would bring her closer to God. So she spent a month choosing 11 different disciplines, and then she spent a month practicing each of them for the rest of the year. At the end of the year, she felt like a failure. She admits part of it was her method. Nobody can develop a deep spiritual practice in 30 days. However, she also found that, successful or not, there were things that stayed with her. No, she did not become a perfect practitioner of Sabbath rest. But she became aware, more aware, of her own need for rest. She found that instead of relying on her own efforts of constant activity, she was able to rely more on God for sustaining. She had found other people unforgiving, 
but then realized that she herself did not often practice forgiveness. This was a part of her character that she wasn't even aware of. She wasn't able to keep up with the practice of fixed hour prayer, which is a discipline where you read aloud a series of Bible verses and wrote prayers several times a day. But she grew in her appreciation of speaking the Lord's Prayer, and she grew in her understanding of what it means. It seemed as though God had used the time that she did devote to these practices to change her in ways that she hadn't anticipated. Near the end of her year of practice, she learned that her father was dying. She hadn't seen him in a long time since he'd left her mother, her brother, and herself with no warning, taking all their money with him. Her dad hadn't called her. The hospital called her because she was listed as next of kin. She wasn't sure what to do. What she did was travel to his hospital room and say to him before he died, Dad, I forgive you. Go in peace. She credits her imperfect spiritual practices with giving her the ability to do that. Even though her efforts had fallen short, she found she had strengthened and sustained her relationship with God. That, in turn, sustained and renewed her. Jeremiah knew about the benefits of staying in relationship with God. Jeremiah also has very important things to teach us about ministry, especially when we feel our efforts have failed. We know we all have gifts for ministry. God gives them to us. God calls us to use them in his service. Sometimes we want to use those gifts. It's a calling that's compatible with our own wishes. When we're helping other people, for example, we often say we receive more than we give. That's a cliche, but it can still be true. When God calls us to this kind of ministry, the ministry is a gift to us as well as to God. We feel sustained and strengthened by it. It uses gifts that we've honed and polished. People appreciate us for doing it. It's refreshing, like a drink of cold water. And it's important because it's done in the service of God. But that's not all there is. Sometimes God calls us into ministries that are unpleasant, frustrating, and difficult. We do not find them appealing. These ministries might call for gifts we don't think we have. They might include leadership for people who prefer to be followers, spending time with strangers instead of with friends, caring for people we're close to, but whose needs overwhelm us. 
whatever God calls us to do, is likely to have mixed results. Giving to a food bank won't solve the problem of hunger, but it will assure that the people who receive the food you give will not be hungry. Building a house for a family here or in Mexico will not solve the problem of homelessness, but it will give a home to a family that needs one. Sharing your faith with a friend or a family member will not immediately reverse the decline of Christianity in the first world. But it tells the people around us something they need to hear, even if they don't know they need to hear it. Jeremiah is our model for the kind of ministry that we enter into with reluctance. He spent his whole adult life calling his people back to God. They didn't come. Jeremiah teaches us that God does not require our success, especially when we measure that success in terms that the world understands. But he does ask for our obedience, our faithfulness, and our effort. Our response to God is what sustains us, not the results of the ministry itself. By remaining in faithful relationship, we receive the living water that refreshes us and enables us to go forward in whatever God calls us to do. Jeremiah's words to his people are still God's words to us. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. God speaks these words to us as individuals. He also speaks them to us as a people, as Christians. He has a plan, a plan to give us a future with hope. Our faithfulness and our efforts are important. It may not be obvious in the short term that our contributions matter. But if our efforts are aimed at responding to God's will, then we are working with God. What God wants will come to fruition, and our efforts on God's behalf will matter more than we know. Amen. <laughs>